Thomas Partey only managed 45 minutes for the Ghanaian national team last night, sparking fresh fears over his fitness. So, is he injured again? And seeing as we're still in the international break, we'll look at a broader topic. The news the Qatari consortium will no longer be purchasing Manchester United. So Jim Radcliffe's bid and why I'm expecting to see similarities to what when, what we went through, I beg your pardon, up at Old Trafford. <laughs> I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon. That's the problem with doing these live. When you trip up on the intro, there is no going back. A big hello to you all. Welcome back to another uh, episode of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football family. As always, I'm your host, Harry Simiou, and I'm delighted to be with you all on this Sunday afternoon. It is day seven of the international break. I have to say, yesterday, I really enjoyed the cricket. Comfortable win in the end for India over Pakistan. I enjoyed the rugby as well, especially the Ireland versus the All Blacks game. I thought that was fantastic. Entertaining and high quality sport was much, much needed, given, of course, we're without the Arsenal and club football this weekend. As for the boxing, well, I think the less said about that, the better, because it was a shambles, basically. I have seen some of it back this morning. I've read people's reactions. Uh, I was on the radio this morning and there was a discussion about that as well. And um, I must admit, as much as I don't understand the obsession with this influencer boxing um, or crossover boxing, I think Tommy Fury labelled it as in one of his interviews, there was a part of me last night that was tempted to sit and watch it. There was a part of me that thought, maybe I should give this a chance. Maybe I should watch it and try and understand what all the fuss is about. And I made the decision not to in the end. And I made the decision to go to bed instead because I had to get up at 4.30 this morning. And it was the right decision based on everything I'm hearing, based on everything I'm being told. Uh, let's say some good afternoons uh, to you guys in the live chat. Uh, MM says, is Partey injured again? Wait, no way. We'll get onto that in a minute. At Afsar, um, very quickly, uh, jumping to this one. Sell Partey in January. I've had enough of this. Uh, we've got Hacker in the chat as well. We've got um, Charlton uh, Ronald, who's uh, running off the podcast intro um, in the comments. Good afternoon and welcome to the Chronicles. We're going to podcast part of the 90 Min Show. As always, I'm Harry Simu. And in today's show, got it slightly wrong, but you're nearly there. Hope you're good, mate. Um, good to see you in the chat. Um, Hacker says, uh, Charlton provided me with the uh, cue card. Yeah, I could have done with that today because I made a right miss. Uh, of the intro. We've got Sadiq with us. We've got Johan Jr. Gunners there. Derek is here uh, joining us from Australia as well. We've got Somtu, um, who says, good day, Harry and Gooners worldwide. We've got the Goon Gang, Virginia Beach Gooners checking in. We've got Ibrahim joining us from Sierra Leone. Um, great to see so many of you with us in the live chat. Right. Um, what are you doing today? Let me know. Um, let me know how you're coping with the international break. I asked for your suggestions yesterday. There were some great ones coming across in the comment section. Uh, so please let me know how you plan on spending today. For those that are interested, the mighty Cyprus are in action in about an hour's time versus Georgia. Six games and six defeats so far for my beloved Cyprus. Never been a competitive nation, largely due to the size. But from time to time, the attacking style of football... 
um, would see us make a go of games, even at times against much, much stronger opposition. Right now, though, I feel so disconnected from the Cyprus national team more than I ever have. Sad times. Um, I wish them all the best today, obviously, but I don't think I'll be investing my time into watching that um, this afternoon. Right. We're going to dive into the big story today. We're going to try and make sense of what happened with Thomas Partey while on international duty with Ghana, because as I said in the intro, he only lasted 45 minutes. So is Thomas Partey injured again? Thomas Partey, the 30-year-old, uh, had only just returned from injury when he was required to join up with the Ghana uh, national team ahead of a couple of friendly fixtures, the first of which, of course, took place overnight. Ghana were beaten 2-0 by Mexico, and the Arsenal man was withdrawn after 45 minutes. So the question that everybody's kind of wondering now is, is he injured? Now, According to Charles Watts, this may well have been a pre-planned substitution. You know, you've got to take into consideration that there have been question marks over his fitness for the best part of a couple of seasons now. He obviously recently returned from a long-term injury, he was in the uh, squad for the Manchester City game. He was in the squad at Lons as well, although he didn't get on the pitch then. He played about, what, 20 minutes against Manchester City at the end. Um, and so I guess you could make the case that says, why did Thomas Partey go on international duty in the first place, particularly for a round of friendlies? And I, I'm in that camp. You know, I think that international managers, I understand that, you know, they get limited time with their players. And when they do get them, they they want to work on things and they want to try and, um, you know, they, they want to put plans together. They want to come up with, you know, the, the, the best team. They want to figure it all out. And particularly with the AFCON coming up as well, you can understand why Chris Hewton, who, of course, is the Ghana manager right now, um, got Spurs connections as well, which certainly doesn't help us in this situation, you would think. Um, not that I'm questioning his professionalism, but you know where I'm going with this. Um, yeah, like you, you do think to yourself, like, what's the need for this? But as I say, with AFCON coming up, you can kind of understand why, um, you know, Ghana would have been desperate for Thomas Partey to be a part of things. Although, you know, speaking to a lot of Ghanaians over the years, and, and if you... Um, have an opinion on this, then then please let me know in the chat box. I don't think Thomas Partey's done anywhere near his best work on the international stage. But anyway, he's clearly one of the better players within that group. He's clearly one of the better players available to Chris Hewton. And so he was taken away. Now, the Gunners did send a member of their medical team along with Thomas Partey amid concerns over his fitness. And as I say, Ghana faced um, Mexico, and he came off after 45 minutes. Now, nobody's spoken on this. Nobody from the Ghanaian FA or anything like that has come out and given an explanation or a reason as to why Thomas Partey was withdrawn at that point. But according to Charles Watts, uh, as I say, this may well have been pre-planned, uh, taking into consideration his recent problems. Now, Ghana, of course, faced the USA in their next game, uh, another friendly. That will take place in Nashville, and that game will happen early hours of Wednesday morning, our time here in the UK. So I guess we're going to have to wait and see if he's going to feature in that in any capacity. And that will give us a better understanding of the situation. But it seems, based on what Charles Watts has said, who's a very, very good journalist, one of the best in the business, this was something that um, was probably pre-planned. And there isn't really any need to be majorly concerned about it. But it does, every time this sort of thing happens, prompt that wider question of, is Thomas Partey a problem for us going forward? Can he be trusted fitness-wise? And the answer, of course, 
is no based on the past couple of seasons of evidence. You know, you feel like, you know, even three seasons, you always feel like with Thomas Partey, we're just around the corner from a pull-up. We're just around the corner from a muscle problem that keeps him sidelined often at really, really important parts of the season. Yes, with the acquisition of Declan Rice and with the squad that we have now put together, we're in a far better position to deal with Thomas Partey's fitness issues and absences. But still, you know, he is one of our better players. And I've been beating this drum all season. I want to see him play in midfield with Rice, with Odegaard. And that, for me, would give us our best midfield trio, the best team we could possibly have, et cetera, et cetera. And so I'm desperate, desperate um, to see him stay fit over a long period of time, because I think if we can keep him fit and you can keep Declan Rice fit, you know, you give Martin Odegaard that little bit more license to get forward than he already has. And you put Arsenal in a position, I think, where they're at their best. And that's what I want to see more than anything. So, yeah, I'm hoping that it was pre-planned. As I say, you know, if Charles Watts reports it, you know, it's probably, in fact, it's definitely um, worth listening to. Um, Dave Atkinson says, if Partey was injured, would he not have been sent home? Well, he might have pulled up and they might have taken him off as a precautionary measure. And therefore, why would they send him home when there's a few days to the next game? Maybe they'd hold tight and see how he goes. But I'm inclined to believe what Charles Watts says. I'm inclined to believe that this is something um, that, you know, is is just a part of the management of his fitness. And Arsenal having a member of staff there as well makes me feel a bit more comfortable about the situation. I don't know if it should or not, but it does. Um, and uh, And you can, you know, you can feel, I think, confident in the fact that if there was any concern from the Arsenal member of staff around Thomas Partey's fitness, there would have been some kind of um, argument against him playing in the game full stop. But he was in the starting lineup. He did play 45 minutes. He was then withdrawn. And we understand, as I say, that that was a precaution. But when you see the name Thomas Partey and you see the words substituted off injury or anything of the likes in an article, you, you panic, don't you? When I saw it this morning, I panicked and I thought, you know, who is a kind of trusted authority in this space? Who can I listen to for perhaps some more insight on this? And Charles Watts happened to release his video uh, at the time where I was kind of reading this news, which was perfect. Make sure you check out his channel, by the way. It's brilliant. Um, yeah, really, really um, hoping and praying that that is uh, just a precautionary measure that's been taken uh, by Chris Hewton and the Ghanaian FA. Look, it's not in Ghana's interests either, is it, to burn him out in friendlies? Like They played Mexico. As I say, they're playing the US as well. They are preparing, building up towards an African Nations Cup, which comes up in January, not that far away. It's not in their interests to burn out Thomas Partey, and it's not in their interests to cause him longer-term damage. That means he's either not fit full stop for the tournament or not at his best. So yeah, um, you know, let's um let's let's hope that everybody is being responsible in the management of Thomas Partey's fitness and that we're not going to have any problems with him uh going forward, not in the um short term anyway. Um Amberly says it all makes sense uh, because he only played about 20 minutes for us. Um Derek says, mate, before he came to Arsenal, was he injury prone? That's the frustrating thing. He wasn't. He really, really wasn't. Uh, during his time with Atletico Madrid, he was one of the ever presents. You know, he pulled up with a couple of problems on the odd occasion, but it wasn't a regular thing. I don't think Atletico Madrid fans were panicking over his fitness week in, week out like we do. 
And does the the difference in the two leagues play a part in this, where the Premier League has that greater level of intensity, where he was playing in a side that often set up with, you know, a slightly more conservative style, which meant that, you know, he probably had less ground to cover. I know that, you know, Atletico Madrid set up in a certain way against the big boys, but would need to go and attack some of the smaller sides. And there's more smaller sides than bigger sides um, in the La Liga division. So I, I don't want to say that he played in a low block, therefore it was different, but the pace of the game might have been different. The physical demands of La Liga are certainly different to those of the Premier League. And I just wonder if he's one of those people that just isn't built for the Premier League and the sort of strain that it puts on your body. I don't know. But look, there's no doubt about it. This guy is a fantastic player. And I know a lot of people are getting frustrated with even this talk and saying we should sell him at the earliest opportunity. I disagree with that. I think Thomas Partey is one of Arsenal's best players. And I think an Arsenal with Thomas Partey in it is a much, much stronger side. And if we want to topple Manchester City, if we want to go on and win the Premier League for the first time since the 2003-2004 season, he's going to need to stay fit for a, for the most of the season. Like That's just the reality of it. Declan Rice is great. Um, I'd still like to see Declan Rice have the shackles taken off of him a little bit. And I don't think you can do that when Thomas Partey um, is absent from the team. So, yeah, fingers crossed this is nothing. But I thought it was worth discussing. Um, you know, it's the international break and there isn't any football for us to focus on from an Arsenal perspective. But there's plenty of stuff to be worried about, as you can tell uh, from this uh, video slash podcast. Right, we're going to take a short pause. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the Manchester United takeover situation. Because I think there are some similarities with what's going on at Manchester United now to what happened at Arsenal a number of years ago. Manchester United fans might not want to hear this, but you probably will. I'll be back in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football family. As ever, uh, I'm your host, Harry Simiou. Let's just quickly, before we move on uh, to our next story, let's just quickly touch on uh, some of the comments that are coming through with regards to what we discussed about Thomas Partey. Sadiq says, um, I don't panic now. We have Declan Rice. Uh, Jean-René says, Thomas Partey is still our best midfielder, in my opinion. I don't care about his availability now that we have Jorginho and Rice. I hope he stays at all costs. Um, Derek says, uh, it seems that players come to Arsenal and become injury prone. Even Rice has. Now, Rice, of course, was carrying a problem at the start of the season. Um, but he seems to have hopefully gotten over that. I wonder if maybe they're still managing that situation carefully, but felt that he couldn't be left out because of Thomas Partey's absence. I wonder if, if we get to a place in the next few weeks where Thomas Partey's fully fit, Declan Rice will be given a bit of a breather as well. Interesting. Um, we'll, we'll find out. Um, Leon Bell says 100% Thomas Partey will get injured. I, I mean... A lot of us are fearing that, mate. You don't have to say it into existence. <laughs> um, what else have we got? Uh, uh, here we go. Uh, Wegbue Charles says, sorry to say, I think we should cash in on Partey in the summer and get Zubimendi or Onana of Everton or Fafana from Monaco. Lots of people um, with, uh, with their opinions on whether or not we should keep him. Look, I think we should keep him. Like, I think in the long term, we have to plan for um, a replacement for him, as you do with a lot of players when they get to post 30 years old. You know, the other thing is as well that, you know, we're probably going to lose Jorginho, I would argue, at the end of this season. I don't think he'll stay beyond that. Um, so you'd have to make a change there. 
you know, El Nenny's going to move on as well. You think, um, and and you feel so. Um, yeah, th- there's a there's a number of players that we're going to have to replace, and, and I think we're going to have to invest in that area moving forward. Uh, Mario Romano says, "Morning, Harry. Hope you're well. Top intro, mate. <laughs> Made me low at the breakfast table. Sat on the Caribbean Sea. Oh, mate, enjoy, enjoy. It's freezing here. Um, I've moved into the tracksuit cupboard basically." Um, I really felt it this morning when I went to work bright and early. Yeah, it's um, it's getting cold. It's getting cold. Um, Hacker says, Jorginho out already, yeah? No, his contract runs out. It's not because I think he's rubbish. Um, I was really, really impressed by his performance against Man City. And I think it proved that if you play him under the right circumstances and with the right people around him, he can be really, really effective. Um, really, really responsible in possession. Uh, I thought it was great, yeah. Right. Uh, Let's move on then. Let's do this uh, Manchester United stuff. And the reason I wanted to talk about this is because I think that there are some similarities with what's going on at Manchester United to what happened at Arsenal prior to KSE taking full control. I think that Manchester United fans, on the one hand, will be pleased to see Sir Jim Ratcliffe coming into the football club and taking on what we believe is going to be a 25% stake. I think there will be some Manchester United fans that are disappointed. I think this will divide opinion. And the reason they'll be disappointed is not because people are anti-Sir Jim Ratcliffe. I think it's because, you know, the Qataris seem to promise the world, you know, redevelopment of Old Trafford, you know, a, a wealth of, of money that, you know, just is unrivaled, unmatched. Um, you know, they promised that they would do development projects. They promised that they'd invest in the team. They promised that they take on the club's debt. All of these things appeal to supporters because supporters feel like, you know, the facilities around the club are outdated, which I agree with. People feel like the debt that the club currently have is hampering them in the transfer market. I think this was the first summer where you really looked at it and went, you know, maybe Manchester United don't have the money to spend um, th- that they need to. You know, they brought some players in, of course, spent big on a few, but then they got to the point where they started shopping in the bracket of, you know, Sofian Amrabat, for example, who I think is a decent player, but is he Manchester United level? I'm not sure. But anyway, this is where the situation stands at the moment. So, so Jim Ratcliffe um, is going to buy 25% of the club, but that means that the Glazers are staying. That's the big downside here, isn't it? And according to reports, Ineos, Sir Jim Ratcliffe's company, are said to be seeking a path towards a full takeover. But ultimately, that is dependent on the Glazers. And based on what we've seen so far, it feels like they're not willing to part ways with the club in full unless somebody comes in and is willing to pay way over the odds. Now, I don't think that this type of arrangement is healthy. This idea of having the Glazers and Ineos involved at the same time, I don't think that that is always a good thing. Now, Manchester United fans will probably come back at me and say, but this could be the beginning of the means to the end, which is ultimately getting the Glazers out. That's what all the Manchester United fans want. And I agree that if Sir Jim Ratcliffe getting in there is going to be the start of Manchester United eventually being taken away from the Glazers or sold by the Glazers, then, you know, Manchester United fans will probably accept what could be a strange time in the sort of interim until we get to that point. But I just compare it to when Arsenal were in a similar boat. 
You know, you had KSE with a big stake in the club. You had Alicia Usmanov with a big stake in the club. Both were seeking to take full control of the club in the end. And after a long standoff between the two parties, eventually KSE managed to acquire some more shares. And as a result of that, it triggered that thing where they basically then have to make a bid for the club. And Alicia Usmanov realised and recognised that he was never getting in. Uh, he couldn't even get a seat on the board up until that point. And, you know, he decided to to give up his stake, to sell his stake to KSE, who took full control. And then you have to say, really put their foot on the accelerator in terms of the way that they run the club, in terms of the investment that they made into the club, et cetera, et cetera. I just think that sometimes when you've got two parties involved, both whom have different intentions. So if Sir Jim Ratcliffe's intentions, as people keep telling me, are to restore Manchester United to former glories, he's not going to be able to do that easily without the Glazers' is buy-in. But the Glazers are apparently the problem that Manchester United have been dealing with for a number of years. And I'm not saying they're not. I'm just saying that, you know, Sir Jim Ratcliffe will not have full control. Will he have some say and some sway when it comes to footballing decisions, I think he will. I think that's the idea. I think that's something that he will be pushing for um, or will have been pushing for in those negotiations that took place. But I just think that if Manchester United fans think that this is going to turn around instantly overnight and that Sir Jim Ratcliffe's involvement in the football club is going to bring benefit and reward from the off, I think you maybe need to manage your expectations a little bit just because I'm I'm going by what we went through. Two parties pulling in slightly different directions, both ultimately um, with different objectives, different goals, different um, definitions of what success is. It can lead to stalemates when it comes to certain situations and discussions and decisions being made. And, um, and you know, ultimately, yes, Sir Jim Ratcliffe will see this as the first step. Ineos will see this as the first step. And we all know that they want to take full control of the club eventually. That's the hope. But that is still dependent on the Glazers. So it's not a time to rejoice for Manchester United fans. It's a time maybe to be quietly optimistic that eventually we can get to the place where the Glazers are no longer the owners. But for me, I think I would tread cautiously around this if I was a United fan in terms of managing my excitement um, around all of this. But yeah, that's my take on that. Um, anyway, let's go over to the comments and see what you guys uh, are saying. Uh, what have we got here? Doo -doo 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 -doo. Uh, Amberly says it's like Usmanov and Kroenke, isn't it? Absolutely, hundred um, percent. That that's the the point that I was making. You know, sometimes you get two people coming in who both want control of something, who both want to call the shots, and if the power is split, which it isn't really here, because Sir Jim Ratcliffe's company would have twenty five percent of the club, not any more than that you end up in a place where, you know, you can end up with stalemates. We saw it. We experienced it. We went through it. And it's not me sitting here going, oh, man, United fans shouldn't be happy that they're on the road potentially to getting rid of the Glazers. I know how much Man United fans dislike the Glazers. I've worked with a lot of Manchester United fans. I've got a lot of close friends that are Manchester United fans, obviously London-based because most of them are. But, you know, I just think that, sometimes you're going to have to go through even more pain to get to the place that you want to get to. And, um, you know, that could be the case here. It could be something that takes time to turn around. And, um, you know, it could be something that doesn't bring results instantly. Look, I don't mind if United struggle as an Arsenal fan. Um, but 
there is a part of me as well as a football man first and foremost and as a you know as someone who loves the game there is a part of me that doesn't like to see big footballing institutions on their knees because of bad ownership and there's a part of me that hates to see fans suffer different i think when it's a big rival of yours and you obviously have less sympathy in those situations but an example of it would be newcastle under mike ashley for me to watch that club go from what it was to where it ended up under mike ashley it's it's horrible to see and i can't even imagine how the fans must be feeling now when it comes to the whole glazers thing i am kind of in two minds a little bit because i always hear from man united fans it's the glazers it's the glazers it's the glazers but guys You've spent a lot of money under the Glazers, a hell of a lot of money under the Glazers. They're not the ones picking the players. You know, they're not the ones picking the players. Eric Ten Hag wanted Anthony. Eric Ten Hag paid all that money for Andre Onana. These are decisions taken by poor managers. Now, someone will come back and say, yeah, but who appoints the managers? Well, yeah, I, I get that. And, and maybe what the Glazers should be doing better is putting the right people in the high up positions to make the right footballing decisions. But you know, you can't back Ten Hag, but then not acknowledge, or you can't back Ten Hag, pin it all on the Glazers, but then fail to acknowledge when a Ten Hag signing isn't working. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. Um, uh, I think we're getting some political chat in the comments. I'm going to delete that. We're not having it in here. Um, that's not what we're here to do. We're here to talk about football and um, and purely football. Maybe a bit of cricket, maybe a bit of rugby as well during the international break, but nothing else. Right. Um, just a quick reminder, if you haven't done so already, uh, please, please do leave us a like on the video. It really, really does help uh, in terms of the algorithm, the famous algorithm that I'm sure YouTube viewers are sick of hearing about. Also, uh, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe because uh, we're still working towards getting to that 30K mark. Um, we're around about 130 odd um, people, I think, away from that. So we're not a million miles off uh, from reaching that target. Uh, also, if you're listening to us on audio, please do leave us a review as well. That really, really does help. And um, yeah, we're going to take a short pause and then we'll take some of your questions and thoughts from the live chat. So start filling the chat box up. I'll be back in just a moment. <laughs> Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football family. Hope you're all good. Hope you're all well. Right, we're going to take a few questions um, before I uh, disappear off into the sunshine slash cold because it's one of those weird days in London where it looks nice. So you might leave the house in a T-shirt, but very quickly you will realise I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> that um that uh yeah it's, it's not that type of weather um aj envoy is really annoyed um about uh the thomas Partey situation look let me just be clear we don't know that he's got a problem right and as i said earlier on in the show charles watts has reported that it was something that was pre-planned and it is a part of the management of his situation. The fact that he was taken off after 45 minutes is what i'm talking about but aj envoy says if Partey is injured this really pees me off. Every time we have close to our full squad, something like this happens. Why do international teams do this? I guess the international thing, you know, I touched on this earlier, but you're an international manager. You've got a job to do. Your job is to win football matches for the country 
and the football association by whom you're employed. So you are going to take decisions that suit you. You are going to make selfish decisions, just like we as football clubs want to be selfish in when and where we let our players travel to in the middle of a season. So it works both ways. And I think for a lot of footballers, you know, representing their country is the pinnacle. And you can't take that away from them. You know, you you just can't. Um, you know, Amberly points out in the chat that at least we get to give, um, or, or at least uh, Saka and Saliba got a rest. And yeah, look, Saka's been nursing a problem, as we know. He wasn't fit enough to feature at all against Manchester City. And given his record of of sort of featuring in games, that, that is a telltale sign that, you know, Arsenal is starting to get a little bit concerned about him. William Saliba had been managing a, a toe problem, from what we understand, for a number of weeks. But it wasn't the right time to leave him out the side. And, you know, thankfully, the French FA were pretty understanding in that. And he withdrew from the squad without any issues. Um, and yeah, look, hopefully we can come back from the international break with a clean bill of health. But for me, I think we're going to, we're going to be going through this all season. You know, there are going to be players out. There'll be players coming back. There'll be players in and out. That's just how football goes. And that is why you need a squad. And we didn't have that squad last season. And I'd still argue we're a couple of players short of having the complete squad, in my opinion, particularly because of some of the injuries that we're dealing with. But the long-term ones I'm talking about, i.e. Jury and Timber. But what I would say is we're far better equipped to deal with that this season than we were last. And, you know, you, you can't prevent injuries full stop. You can't prevent players going on international duty. These are just situations that we have to manage to the best of our ability. Um, AJ also says, by the way, Harry, is there any news on Trossard? Didn't he come off injured against City? He did. He came off at halftime. Mikel Arteta said post-match, I think I'm right in saying that he felt something in the hamstring, didn't go away on international duty with Belgium. He was another one that pulled out of his respective national squad. No update on that. No news on that. I think there is an optimism that he will be back and available. I don't think they took him off because, um, because he couldn't continue against Manchester City. I think they took him off as a precaution because he felt something and there was a, a, a worry about inflicting further damage given that he'd only recently returned from a similar problem um joey says he's off to play some more golf harry he says i think you were right in saying the wife likes me being out of the house trust me um that is the absolute gospel truth i know mine loves me being out of the house um I, as i said to you guys yesterday when i was sort of hanging around the house all day like watching a bit of sport and trying to find things to do to to fill up the time she was like aren't you going to a match today? Like, so my wife is well across what's going on with Arsenal. She has to be, she lives in the same house as me, but when it comes to other football, she is oblivious to it at times. And, um, she was like, haven't you got a football match to go to? Haven't you got something football related to do? And I was like, you know what today? No, I'm going to record the podcast. But other than that, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, um, I'm just going to chill. And, um, yeah, I felt like I was in the way a little bit. So I, I get where you're coming from. And yeah, as I say, um, you know, they're, they're more than happy to see us leave the house. I, I guess it gives her an opportunity to tidy up the place without me making a mess in the background and all the rest of it. I'm also um, quite notorious for hyping up the kids and then sort of saying, oh, got to go to work now and leaving them hyper um, to, to drive her mad. So maybe she was thinking about that as well. 
Uh, okay, uh, what else have we got? Uh, Hacker says, uh, with the injuries, where do you see the Arsenal come Christmas? A few losses are probably inevitable. I think it's just the nature of the division as well. You know, I think there will be defeats along the way. Of course, we're unbeaten at the moment and that's great, but we're not going to go the season unbeaten. I'm pretty confident in saying that. Um, so where will we be come Christmas? Look, you just want to be within touching distance. You know, that's what it's all about. I think we found out last season that you can really sort of, you know, put your foot on the accelerator in the first half, pull away, create a bit of a lead, but it doesn't really mean anything if you then struggle at the business end of the season. So I'm not setting massive expectations around our league position going into the Christmas period. I, I want us to be within touching distance so that we can compete in the second half of the season. And I'm hoping that we are... Um, you know, in a in a position to push on and do what it takes to win the thing. Obviously, that's what we want. And um, that's what we hope for. That's what we play for. But, you know, I, I said at the start of the season, I'm not going to sit here and call Arsenal and Arteta a failure if they don't win the Premier League against this incredible Manchester City side. But I would say a failure would be to not compete, having kind of set that base level last season. So we need to compete. And to compete, we need to be within touch and distance come the Christmas period. Um, and uh, yeah, let's uh, let's see how we go. Uh, Amberly says, apparently City were targeting becoming the Invincibles this season because they did win it all last year, to be fair, that well, with the exception of the League Cup. Um, Amberly says, have to laugh, they managed six games. Yep, well, going the season unbeaten isn't for everyone. Um, Fuad uh, asks, what's the one thing that concerns you once the season restarts this week coming. Um, I don't know, like I'm still a little bit concerned by some of our performances and I'm kind of having to adjust my mindset to this idea of, you know what, we don't have to be great every single game as long as we pick up results and we're difficult to beat. Um, you know, and, and, you know, we've had a little bit of luck, I think, across this season so far we've had some things go against us as well but generally speaking I think you know we are we're in a position where we're challenging at the top we're unbeaten but we haven't seen the best of Arsenal yet my only concern going into uh, a sort of another round of Premier League fixtures would be this isn't it is it for Arsenal in terms of their level like the more we play this way and don't shift up into that next gear, the more I start to think this is the new normal. And I don't think that the way we're going will be able to sustain a title challenge because I think in certain situations and in certain moments, the performances need to be better. So I'm I'm still hopeful and optimistic that there is room for improvement and that we'll move up into that room and, and take it. But there's a tiny part of me that thinks with every week that goes by that this might be the normal. And I, I don't want it to be, and I don't think it is, but that's the concern I have, I think, uh, sort of moving forward. I'd also factor in, though, that, you know, our front three has been dismantled at the start of this season. You know, how much of Saka, Martinelli and Jesus played together as a trio? Very little. And that was a big part of our success last season. So I'm hoping that that will make the difference. But, yeah, there is a tiny part of me that thinks we haven't quite clicked yet this season. And that's OK when you're picking up results and you're still within touching distance. But there will come a point where if you want to push on, you are required to perform at a higher standard than what we've seen uh, from Arsenal. Joseph Robinson says, um, only a forward underestimates City, different team altogether with Rodri back and then Kevin De Bruyne. Completely agree with that. 
And that's why I'm not, um, that's why I'm not sitting there saying, yep, yeah, you know, we're going to win it. Yeah. Um, because I know what they're capable of. I really, really do. Right. I'm going to leave it there. Uh, thank you all so, so much for joining me. Really, really appreciate it. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode. Until then, take care of yourself. Stay safe. Leave a like on the video. Subscribe to the channel. And if you're listening on audio, then please do leave us a review as well. You know the draw by now. I'll catch you all soon. Take care. Have a great Sunday. All the best. Bye-bye. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.